I don't know where you are in your world at the moment. I don't know what's happening in your life at the moment. I know what's happening in our lives at the moment. But maybe you need a refuge. Maybe you could just do with some place to shelter. A refuge is a place of safety and shelter and strength. And what I want to offer you this morning through God's word, if you're a believer, is a place of refuge. God wants to speak this word to your heart. He wants to be your refuge. He wants to be your place of shelter. He wants to be your place of strength and safety. And we're going to unpack that through Psalm 91. Can I have Psalm 91, please, on the screen? Can we get it all on or not? Is that possible? No, it's all right. Don't worry, Pete. Don't worry. If you can flick it through. If you wouldn't mind, if, you, if you've got your Bibles with you, it's always a great idea to bring your Bible to church. I always think it's a bit like going to the tennis club and not taking your racket, you know, if you don't bring your Bible. So either open it up or switch it on. And let's go through Psalm 91 together. Because I want to bring you this word. It's a word I've preached before. Um, not this exact word, but I, and I call it bomb-proof. Because, you know, um, the, the enemy drops bombs in the world of the Christian. Did you know that? We can see that graphically illustrated in Ukraine. A place close to my heart is Ukraine. But also, the enemy drops bombs in our world. We'll unpack what some of these are. I don't know how your world is, but are you being bombed at the minute? And you feel you just need a tin hat? You know, well, I can give you better than that. I can give you a refuge. And we're going to unpack Psalm 91. And if you can go through it with me, that would be great. You'd benefit greatly by doing that. I'm going to read it to you, first of all. <coughs> he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High... Now, in my translation, in my New King James, it says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. I like that. Who's got that in their version? Right, well, a shelter's great, but the translation's secret place. I'm going to read this. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him will I trust. For he will deliver you. I'm reading from my version. You can follow it there. He, surely he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take what? Refuge. Where's the refuge? Under the shadow of his wings. Let me tell you this, there's no other refuge. There is no other refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. You know what a buckler is? I had to look this up. Shield is something you hide behind, a big, tall shield. Arrows are flying and you get behind the shield and you, you hunker in and you feel them hitting the shield. God is your shield. If you're in the refuge, God is your shield. Your buckler is on your, for hand-to-hand -hand combat, it's the shield on your wrist, the small round shield you see in gladiators, you know, where you parry a sword. And God is your butler. He parries the sword. You see, there's no other refuge but God. 
He'll be your shield and your butler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night. Night's always the worst, isn't it, when you've got fears. Nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near to you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra. The young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. Because, now notice this is where God speaks. Verse 14. Because he loves, because he set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he's made known, he's known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honour him. And with long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. What a great psalm that is. One of my favourite psalms is that. How does it strike you just reading it through? Probably a psalm of Moses. Can't be certain. And probably written at a time when the children of Israel wandered through the wilderness. And for those who know the story of that, you can see echoes through this psalm. Okay. Refuge. I've got a proposition to make to you, and it's this. To feel secure in God, we must, first of all, search out his presence and walk closely by his side. There's work to do. There's work to see. There's always some things that God will do. And there's some things that God won't do. He asks you to do. And one of the things that the Lord asks us to do is to search for his presence. And then walk closely by his side. Because the promises here are only available if we meet those conditions. I could expand this all day, but I won't. I've got 25 minutes. I'm going to finish at 12. Search for the presence of God. So who is the God that we're searching for? There's lots of gods in the world today, isn't there? Gods of fame and celebrity and money and power and sex and all kinds of gods. We, we ourselves can be our own God, our own ego. Who is this God that we're searching for? Well... One of the exciting things for me is that in the first two verses of this psalm, can we just put up verse 1 and 2, please, Pete? Uh, the psalmist, we'll call him Moses, I think it was Moses, uses four different titles for God. And they all mean something. Because Moses celebrates and elevates this God who we're to search for. Title 1. It says this, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. There's a name for God, um, Elion. And it means the Most High. 
and it shows God's, this word shows God's greatness and his majesty. And the word Elion demonstrates a God who can cut down to size any problem. That's a God who we are drawn to. That's a God who calls us into his presence. That's a God who calls us towards him as refuge. The second one is Shaddai. And it's here, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The Hebrew word for Almighty used there is Shaddai, another title of God. And it means the Almighty. It means the all-powerful. It, it's almost a word that can't describe God. It's used over 50 times in the Old Testament. And it means mountain-like. The Almighty, mountain-like. You know, we've got some great summits on earth. I love reading books about Everest. But the grandeur and majesty of God dwarfs Everest, a bit like John's numbers. We just can't put a height on where God is. We can't see the top of the mountain like person that God is. But up there, on the mountain, there's a shelter. There's a refuge for you, for the believer. To guard you from the storms and the bombs of this life. Where you can hide. I'm tempted to talk about John Bunyan and um, Pilgrim's Progress, but I won't. But I will do a little aside. Because this is a word that's come to me again in the last fortnight. In the shelter on the mountain of, of the Almighty, of Shaddai, there are resources. There are resources for the believer. And you can find them in the Psalms. I'll just name you two. If you're feeling you need a refuge, if you're feeling that you need God to speak peace to your world, if you're feeling fears, it says in Psalm 23 that goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And as you press into the shelter of the Almighty, you find resources in the refuge. And goodness and mercy are resources that God wants to pour upon your world. Just receive that into your heart, will you? You've got a mountainous God who pours mountains of blessings, two of which are goodness and mercy. Anybody use some goodness and mercy? I could use some goodness and mercy today. Third title that he uses here is Yahweh, where he says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. The word Lord there is Yahweh. God's personal name. Now, this for me is a real big key. Lord, Yahweh, I am. Do you recall where that was first said in the Bible? I am. It was said um, to Moses when God revealed his name to Moses. Exodus 3.13. And this, Steve will check me out. Exodus 3.13, this name for God, I am the Lord, was the first time that God had revealed his name to anyone. And in revealing his name, it unveiled his power. Because when we know the name of God, we can access the power of God. True, the patriarchs, Abram, Isaac, Jacob, 
They'd been given great promises, but they didn't know the name of God. It wasn't revealed to them. It revealed his salvation plan. But with God's name, and God reveals his name to you, when you know his name, comes his power. And the anointing of Moses was transferred, transferred, but Jesus has, has the anointing of God. Jesus' name is God. And when we know Jesus in his name, we can access the power of the Lord. And if you want power to put out the bombs in your world, if you want power in your life to conquer, then knowing God's name, the intimacy of God's name, is the only way. The Lord, I am. The last title is Elohim. It means the sublime God. And that's in verse 2 as well. My God in who I trust. It means the sublime God. And I've got this quote, I don't know where this came from, but it talks about who is this God. It talks about Elohim, the sublime, of the exalted kind, so distinguished by elevation or size or nobility or grandeur, or other impressive quality as to inspire awe or wonder. It means aloof from or raised up far above the ordinary, like one far too exalted to fear any consequences. This is the God to whom call, who calls us into his refuge. Puts into kind of the shade, doesn't it, any gods that other religions might offer or the world might offer. And this is a God who calls us into his shadow. What a God. What a God. I'm going to press on because of time. Maybe you need some comfort from the Lord. I, I didn't mention this, but I'll just bring it out now. Um, the almighty Shaddai, I said it was mountain-like and conquerable. It's made up of two Hebrew words. One is shad. And it means breast. And this suggests a mother's provision for her children and the abiding care for little ones. Shariah. And you know, um, you see that when the Lord, didn't he? He, he said in um, Matthew 23, you see an echo where he said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often have I wanted to gather your children as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is less, left desolate. So part of the name of God suggests comfort and nourishment an abiding care like a mother with a child. God wants to gather you. God wants to gather you under his wings. You see, this, 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 this shadow of the Almighty, these wings of God, and I, I just wonder again about this. Um, it's not in my notes, I'm doing a deviation, but 
I just wonder if this was written in the wilderness, whether when, when Moses wrote this, he had in mind the Holy of Holies and the cherubim. You know, the cherubim stood over the mercy seat and their wings touched. And there was a shadow under those wings, shadow of the Almighty. And if that was the case, it reminds us that, you know, we, we, we live in between um, the protection and mercy of God. We live under the protection of God, under the wings of the Lord. Gathers us like chicks under his wings. But we sit on the mercy seat. We're stable on the mercy of God. Isn't that a wonderful picture? Gathered like that. I tell you, <laughs> I, I'll get excited for you. Don't we? <laughs> and Jesus' wings, I'll gather you. Jesus' wings are for healing and for hiding. What a God. We can come to God for healing and for hiding. But it says here, in, Psalm, in, in the first verse of this psalm, I'll just quote it to you. He who dwells in the secret place. It's a secret place. It's hidden from the world. It's, it's hidden from the world, but his presence is always accessible. He dwells in a secret place, but expects us to get there. Is that not a contradiction? Towards the end of my preaching, another 10 minutes... I'll reveal that to you, how I believe we access the secret. I won't leave you without that. How we, I believe that we access the secret place of the Lord. Would that be good to know? Secret place. Secret location. This is corny, but it's got a postcode. Are you ready? T-H-E-C-0-R. Sorry, C T H E. CR's zero, double S. <laughs> we <are laughs> thought it was corny. We access through the cross. And anyone who thirsts can come. And God has a passion to draw you into his presence. God seeks you passionately and wants you to seek him. You see, we can have as much of God as we desire. But the truth is we're often distracted by the trivial and by trouble. Sometimes our lives are just so troubled that the last place we turn is the Lord. It seems hard, doesn't it, when we're going through trials to trust God. But he wants to draw us in. Into his protection and his refuge and his care. It's a secret place. It's also a safe place. A refuge is a safe place because we're in the presence of the King. We're in the presence of the Almighty. Um, when I was a kid, I, I had a, a safe place. I still have got a safe place, but I had a safe place. And if I've, you've heard this story before, then um, forgive me. But I used to live at Oral Post. Uh, near the Stag Pub, there's a terrace row. There's a car park, which was Bowling Green when I was a small child, and then there was a terrace row. And we lived in the terrace row. My family lived there, my uncles and aunts. And, and, and I could be naughty when I was a boy, little boy. And I, I can clearly recall um, one, one day, I don't know what happened, but I was in um, the house next to the car washes where I used to live. Um, 
I was in the, the back, back of the house and I can recall having to run out the house with my mother literally chasing me with a frying pan. <laughs> this is true, true story. I don't know what I've done, uh, but she was mad. And my safe place was two doors down, my auntie's house, Auntie Janie's house, was my safe place. And I could run faster than my mum. So I pelted out of that house, that's a Wigan word for ran fast. I pelted out of that house and I ran two doors down to where my auntie lived, down the garden paths. And um, with mum behind me with a frying pan. And I can recall the door was closed. Now, it was a safe place. What I didn't do was knock and say, Auntie, can, can I come in? I just busted through that door, straight through. And she was in the kitchen. I can show, I was always cooking. She was a great cook. And she always had a penny on. And she saw me and she saw my mum. And with a, in a second, she'd hidden me behind a penny. <laughs> I was 17 years old at the time. <laughs> And a minute later, my mum came through the door, breathing fire and brimstone, but it was too late, because I was in my safe place. I was covered. I was covered. And you know, God wants us just to do that. No matter where we are in our Christian walk or in our lives, no matter what's happening in our world, even if we feel it's just too much to read our Bible or to pray, just bust in on God. And say, Lord, I'm here. Just rescue me. Just cover me with your feathers. Just draw me into the shadow of your wing. Lord, let me feel your presence. Because you know what? He's more keen to cover you than my auntie was to cover me. But she hid me that day. And I'd never forgotten it. There can be family issues you need to bust in on God with. There can be finance issues, health issues, any difficulty. Just, just burst into the secret place and say, Father, I'm here. Do you know, he won't mind where you've been. He won't mind what you've been up to. He loves to clean you up. He'll pull you in and you'll find refuge and shelter and strength. God will be your strength. Just bust in through the door. So it's a secret place. It's a safe place. We've got to stay under God's protection. Can you stand 10 more minutes? Is that okay? This is an important thing. Look at this first verse here. Can we put it up again, please, Pete? He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. He who dwells. Notice that word. He who dwells. This is not just a visit. It doesn't say he who visits the secret place of the Most High, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. It says, he who dwells. His presence is to be a home, not a haunt. The word dwells means to habitually reside. God doesn't just want guests he wants residents. Doesn't just want friends. He wants family. And God calls us to dwell 
in his secret place. You see, God wants intimacy with you. Because dwells implies intimacy. There's no greater, there's no greater intimacy than dwelling with someone. Wendy knows that because she has the misfortune of dwelling with me. When you dwell with someone, you really get to know them, don't you? So let me just ask you. Has God's presence been a bit of a haunt for you? Or are you looking to dwell there? Let me encourage you to dwell. Seek to dwell continually in God's presence. You can talk to the Lord all day. He doesn't go away. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Let me ask you a question. God bids us to walk close so that his shadow covers us. Let me ask you a question. How close do you have to walk with someone for their shadow to cover you? This far? Car park? close so if we want to know God as our refuge if we want to be intimate with the Lord if we want his, his shadow to cover us we need to step up close and I want to encourage you today take this one thing away how much closer can I get to God maybe you're on the car park at the minute maybe you're somewhere on Crank Road maybe you're in Pemberton I don't know but let's step closer. Let me encourage you to step, just one step closer, two step closer to where God is. If you're pretty close, you can't get close enough. So his shadow can cover you. So that you can feel, he wants to feel your breath on his face. He loves your presence. In the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. We've got a happy God who welcomes us in our, you know, sort of bombed out state, staggering into his presence, covered in the sin of the world. Say, so, Father, I'm here. Wrap you in his arms, he will. And you'll find shelter and peace and strength and security and refuge. So be encouraged to step up close. That's where he wants you. I recall a, a few years ago now, I was I, being close. I was, I was babysitting my grandson. He was two at the time. He's nine now, a few years ago. I never forget it. And um, I was in my son's garden. He's got quite a big garden. And he has a lot of hedges. And so he'd asked the local farmer to come and trim his hedges. And we were, I was waiting for him. And I was in the garden with little Jack. And we were playing, doing And I didn't see the bloke appear through the gate. Um, but the farmer appeared, he was a big boy, and he appeared through the gate with equipment, you see. And uh, little Jack um, obviously felt threatened because he ran to me. Uh, what I could do, I don't know. <laughs> but he, he ran to me and jumped on my knee, and I sat him on my knee, and I felt his back press into my chest. Never forget it. And I put my arms around him, and I became his strength. 
And when you press your back into God in times of danger and trouble, you can feel God become your strength because he wants to strengthen and shelter you. I'm going to wind this up. Let's just go through the rest of the psalm really quickly. Surely he'll deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers. Under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and butler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. What does that tell us? It tells us this, that God's protection is not seasonal. It doesn't switch off when you go to bed. It doesn't go dormant when the sun sets. It's continual, hour by hour, day by day, week by week, season by season. And it's the nearness of God that brings special immunity that only eternity will reveal. Listen, you don't know what God has delivered you from. We ask the question, why? Has God allowed this? We don't know. But I'll tell you this. that When you get to heaven, I believe you'll have a surprise as to what God has kept you from that you've never known about. Let me quote Spurgeon to you. Spurgeon says this. The broken arrows from Satan will litter the floor around you and shall be like trophies to the power and truth of God's word. The floor around you is littered with broken arrows that you've never even seen. His protection also is miraculous. Look at verse 11. It says this, For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. Matthew 18.10 tells us that we have an angel. You have an angel. We can't contact them. Not allowed to do that. But I'll quote to you um, Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor says this, God commands the armies of heaven to look after your personal welfare. Ha! Isn't that great? <laughs> Own personal welfare. And you don't know what God's delivered you from. Some people's angels work harder than others. But it's official. He shall give. It's personal over you. And it's constant all your ways he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways this is why we can feel secure in God as we press into him verse 12 can we put verse 12 up please sorry yeah verse 12 up please if you've got your Bibles look at this we'll go through verse 12 to 14 quickly in their hands, the angels, shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. 
You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. What does that say to us? It says these. He'll shield you from the unexpected, lest you dash your foot against a stone. That's the unexpected danger. He'll shield you from the unseen, the serpent and the cobra. I was once um, in the Malaysian jungle, way out in the Malaysian jungle, when he was with me, with some friends. And um, my friend and his wife and my daughter Stephanie went with a guide right into the jungle. We were miles from anywhere. We did three hours. You know the, you know the dugout canoes you see on the sort of nature programs where you go on the waterline? We did three hours on one of those to get to the place we went to, right in the middle of the jungle. And we were, we were walking on this path, and there was a little bush. It was jungle, but there was a path near this river. And there was a bush. It was this high, and it had about four strands on it. And the guide stopped us, and he said, pit viper on the bush. And there was this close, pulpit. And I looked, and I said, I can't see anything. He said, it's there. And he got a stick, and he pointed towards it. And it took me a minute to see this pit viper. Now, if a pit viper bites you, we've got doctors here. You, you, I mean, you're going to die. Well, we were, we were dead. And it was about this long, and it was about that thing. It was like a, was like a sort of rope. And it was just laid in this bush, and you couldn't see it. And there were four branches on this small bush. And I was fascinated. And we went and did our trip on this river, and oh, it was a wonderful day. I came back, and I spotted the bush. And I said to the guide, it's gone. And I'm again this close. And he said, no, it's not. <laughs> I said, it has. It's not there. He said, it's there. It's just changed its shape. And he got a stick, and he pointed. It was there. I could see it again. couldn't believe it. I would have brushed against that. No question. You see, cobras are unseen. And these are unseen dangers. There are unseen dangers in your world <laughs> that only God sees. And you know what? When you get to glory, he'll play you the video and he'll say, Jonathan, John, I sent my angel. <laughs> wow, you'd have been in trouble. <laughs> Boda, you know, on that roof, man alive, your foot was, I've just sent my angel. Uh, kept you. Unseen, he keeps from the unseen. Unexpected, unseen. And then it says, you shall tread upon the lion and the serpent. You shall trample underfoot. What's the lion? That's the unfounded. Unfounded fears. Who has unfounded fears in their world? Fears that come from nowhere. Where did that come from? Especially in the night. Unfounded fears. Anxieties. John Oberg said, anxiety is a cue for prayer. Anxiety, if you feel anxiety in the night especially, it's a cue for prayer to step into the shelter of the Most High and say, Father, I'm here. Where are those wings? <laughs> Where's that presence? You see, God loves you. I've got more to say, but I won't. It says in verse 14, because he set his love on me, I will deliver him. Do you see that? Because he set his love on me, verse 14. That means, it's a special word, and it means, God says this, it's God speaking, because he hugs me tightly. When you hug God tightly, he starts to do things for you. You see, 
It's intimacy and presence. When, 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 when we, um, the blessings from God flow from intimacy with God. And God says this, I will deliver him. Because he sent his love on me, therefore I will deliver him. That's the Father's hand to rescue you. It says, I will set him on high. That's the Father's arm to protect you. It says, um, he shall call on me and I will answer him. That's dialogue, not monologue. It's the Father's ear. It says, I'll be with him in trouble. That's the Father's presence. And with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. That's the Father's reward. And these are blessings and rewards that flow from intimacy with the Father. That you gain in the shelter of the Most High. When you step in for the resources that are there for you. And you access them three ways. Three ways. Prayer. It can even be a help. I'm here, Lord. Not seen you for a week, but I'm here. And I'm shabby. It can be the word of God. Lord, your word says that goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I believe that. I'm not going to believe the fear. I'm not going to believe the anxiety. I'm going to cling to that. Can I come and shelter with you? And third is worship. Start to thank and praise God for all his provisions for you. For all the wonders he's done that you've never seen. Even today, thank God for the, the ways he's delivered you from things that you've no idea were there in your world. But he's kept you. He's kept you. Because God loves you. So will you come with me into the shelter of the Most High? Five minutes over. Will you come with me? Will you be encouraged to step that bit closer today than you were when you came in through the door? Will you, will you come with me and feel something of the Father's presence and the Father's feathers and the shadow of the Almighty just massaging your world? Will you know the strength and peace that comes from the refuge, which is the Almighty? This mountainous God who knows and cares for every detail of your world and bids you come. Let's just spend a minute. I'll hand over to, to John. Spend a minute before the Lord, maybe just opening your heart quietly as you take a step now into the presence of the Almighty. God bless you.